And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just something I've noticed. We don't give enough credit to signs, and we really should. That sign over there tells you great French fries. That sign over there tells you this is your exit. And look at that legendary sign. It's the Motel 6 sign. It tells you a great night's rest at a great price. Book online at motel6.com. And use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. Look for the signs. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a great price when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letter CP. Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel6.com. That's a great deal. And that's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. Hello and welcome. He is Gary McNamara. I'm Eric Carley. As we begin a Friday, I just want to warn the audience that at any given time, this show may experience rapid, unscheduled disassembly. <laughs> We, I have been ne- known to go off the tracks. Now, I I do like the the uh, uh, the positive the positive mindset about the failure. Yeah, that seemed to exist yesterday. No, I mean it was like, uh, "Hey, man, great job, everybody!" And I'm like, "Do they know? Are they watching the video? Are they watching it on a time delay or something?" Uh, but it was, you know, they were promoting saying, "Look." Um, Really, it was about the liftoff. Like, yeah, I don't know. I'm, if I'm an accountant for your company, I'm thinking, eh, no, we'd like to get most of it back. Well, the the mindset seemed to be, and there seemed to be uh, from SpaceX, the uni- I mean, they had the talking points down, I'm telling you. Yeah. It seemed to be every failure teaches you something, and and that's true. It it does. Teach oh, you. trust me, I know. It does teach you mm. uh, uh, something, but yeah. uh, after, uh, I guess you would say, after about sixty five years of shooting rockets into space, mm-hmm. you would hope that you would learn enough for this not to happen. Yeah, I mean that would be. I mean, it's not a good thing. <laughs> right. Granted, they learned something. Mm-hmm. But is it something that they, my question would be, is it something that you should have learned already because of the history, the long history of rocket making? For example, if you have, if you produce a uh, a new automobile, which basically does the same thing as the old automobile, mm-hmm. you have been through decades and decades and decades of failures yeah and so again it all depends on what the actual failure is the specific cause of the failure uh when that comes out but still i me me thinks they were celebrating the failure too much 
that was that was my first. <laughs> I started laughing. Yeah, Mother, they got the talking points down. This is almost like it's like a, you should go and be part of the president's staff and promote the fact that you know the failure of the economy is the success of the economy. Yeah. Uh, it, it, I, one of the, the things that came out of it was you had a lot of people saying that the the rocket failed at 4 minutes and 20 seconds on 420. Yeah, I saw that. Too. Yeah. yeah. It, I I looked at the, the, the counter and it said 4 minutes. But I guess if you're high. If you're high, you don't really know. Right. It, exactly. Yeah. It's close enough. Right. By the way, it's no longer 420. Uh, for those in the central and uh, eastern uh, time zones, you can go back to your regularly scheduled Sobriety. smoking pot. Oh, okay. I yeah, yeah. You don't have to do it just because it's four twenty. You can do it because because you smoke pot. Was it the Was it the New York Post that had the story that talked about you know the the annual get together and it said. Just not the same anymore because recreational is legal. Well, because it's legal everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, uh, you, you just it's you don't have to wait until four twenty. You don't have to sneak around. Even in states where it's not legal, people seem to be a little more brazen about it. I actually was at a restaurant. It wasn't too long ago, and we went to we 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 go through the door, and it was like. What did I just smell? Somebody was in the waiting area outside smoking it. When I was leaving Buffalo, and so I'm going from the parking ramp, mm-hmm. you know, right into the, the main doors. And there's right. people being dropped off and, mm. and you know, uh, uh, traffic, you know, uh, traffic officers, you know, letting me cross. And every, right before I walk in the door, I'm I, and I stopped. I go, let me smell it again. Somebody's smoking weed in the long line of cars. I mean, somebody might have must have opened a door. And I'm saying, I'm and there's people all over the yeah. place. I'm like, and now it's it's four thirty in the. This is the, the thing. It's four thirty in the morning. Yeah, or four twenty. Um, you know, it might have been. It might have <laughs> been. You know, now that you say it, it might have been, been closer to four twenty. Yeah. yeah, it probably was. I, by the way, I'm being serious about that yeah. because I had left my dad's house at four. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so he lives about, you know, eight, nine miles away, but there's, it's not like it's an interstate. So imagine by the, by the time I parked my rental car and did all that stuff and walked in, it might have been right at 420. So well, somebody was well, celebrating early. Can you imagine getting pulled over? You know, a, a, a cop pulls a guy over, you know, sir, you're smoking pot while i'm standing here officer you know what time it is officer looks down at his watch oh, oh i'm sorry sorry Jeez. oh I'm, I'm sorry hey listen uh, drive safely i apologize my my apologies wow. i did not mean to interrupt your day i did not even feel see the free time. to do that if you got any other drugs it's fine yeah 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 don't drink yeah hey <laughs> is that alcohol i smell uh, I remember in my in the in the 
70s, that was always a big thing. Mm. You know, the, the people talking about their parents. You know, my dad came up to me and said, I, I don't want to smoke any of that stuff. Mm. Uh, but, uh, well, my dad was a cop, so. <laughs> <laughs> and we often lived on a government mm. facility. In fact, I was born on one, so it was pretty clear. I remember the bases. The, the Air Force bases would put up this huge marijuana leaf with a circle around it, the line drawn through it, not on my base. And then I thought, number one, well, who owns the base? What do you mean, my? <laughs> I know who ran it, the wing commander and my dad. Um, but then I thought later in life, I thought, is, was that kind of late? Was it too, and I, I actually have never asked my dad this, but the late 70s, was was that kind of late in the game? I mean, that's not when the pot boom happened. It, it was, that was, it was long before that. No, it was, it was, well, yeah, it was long before that. But it was a campaign. It was just like yeah. the, the war on drugs thing. This is before Reagan. Yeah. And so, you know, it was like, I always think about that and think, that seems kind of late in the game, but I guess it just had become a problem that so many personnel on base actually were found with mm -hmm. marijuana. But I don't know how accurate the movies are, um, but a lot of the movies you, I, you watch about Vietnam talk about, you know, I drug did use in Vietnam. In, in, uh, in, instead of imbibing in anything yesterday, it mm -hmm. was uh, another day of the high of sobriety, but I did learn something about the whole 420 thing. What's I, that? I found out where, remember that term, don't bogart that joint? Mm. Hey, stop bogarting that. And it's like, I never, what does that, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and I'd never looked it up, and it was on some blog yesterday where somebody explained it, and then I looked it up, I'm like, wow. It was because Humphrey Bogart always had the cigarette hanging from his mouth like he would never give it up. Oh, okay. So that's where right. it came from. Don't okay. bogart the joint. Yeah. It's like, really? Wow. <laughs> yeah. And I wondered, does it have something to do with Humphrey Bogart? And it does, yes. Yeah, and it's weird. I don't know why anybody would want to share a cigarette. <laughs> well, be, well, you know, that's the you know, people used to share the okay. joints all See, the time. I know. that, And that's the difference. It's like you're not going to sit there and pass the cigarette back and forth. If you said that to somebody, they'd go, oh, no, that's gross. I would never do that. Hey, man, you want to hit off this joint? Yes! <laughs> oh, my gosh. I mean, it was like, why would, why would, why why the difference? Oh! All right. Because I'm, it's a different feeling. I'm I'm coughing over here, but I don't want to think anybody, anybody think I'm, I took a hit off the bong. I, I, I still have right. a... No, you got all that done before the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, we don't uh, live in a legal state, and we're not Joe Rogan. No, yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, uh, we. Uh, I I do not. We we just got participate in in my in my city. We just got alcohol a couple of years ago, and in my city, we still don't have it. I don't think I don't think my lungs. Well, I mean, I guess everybody's doing. Maybe that's the whole thing. Maybe everybody's doing edibles now, so it's not the same thing where you could pass around. You know, the, that's why in New York City it wasn't. It was just oh, okay, ho hum. It's not a big thing now. Celebrating 420 because mm -hmm. everybody's just okay. No. Give me the gummy. 
I saw something. I saw, um, I think it was the New York Times that did a review on pot grinders where you put your pot in this thing and you grind it before you, I don't know, put it in the pipe, put it in the roll joint with it or whatever. And they did a review. We reviewed the top pot grinders, whatever they called them, and here's the best one according to what we found. I'm like, man, 20 years ago, that never would have been the case. And, yeah, that's, I mean, it's just, it is, well, it's they, about as mainstream as, as it, well, it got it got mainstream real quick. Uh, I know that I think it's the um, where they had the casino in Niagara Falls. Mm. They had a whole press conference and a celebration that they were now selling recreational weed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was like a huge party. Mm-hmm. The TV stations covered, and it was like, wow. Well, the, the uh, dispensaries are everywhere in Oklahoma. I mean, they're yeah. everywhere. Well, they only have medical there, though. Right? It's only medical, but they're yeah. everywhere. Yeah, it's recreational in mm-hmm. New York. Mm-hmm. So, but I think it's most of the reservations that actually, that actually. Uh, but the medical ha- thing is it. is so close mm-hmm. to recreational. You can get a card for. Oh, I uh, have insomnia. Who doesn't have insomnia? <laughs> I can't sleep. Well, uh, do you have any other further evidence of that? Yeah, I'm awake right now. <laughs> Doctor, I had the high of sobriety for a while, but the real world has just destroyed that completely. Ah, okay. Uh, well, no, I saw a, an here's ad. An ounce. <laughs> I saw an ad on somebody's podcast. I think it was Adam Carolla's podcast. Where you can go on, it's an online doctor thing, like a teledoc kind of thing. And they can help you get your medical card. Like the two and a half men episode? What are you, a cop? (laughs) (laughs) When Russell the pharmacist? (laughs) Yeah. Where where Charlie couldn't sleep and he goes in to Russell the pharmacist and goes, no, no, you don't want this. You want something natural. And he pulls it out and he goes... Well, I don't, you know, it's I don't have a license. <laughs> he goes to the computer. Yeah, goes to this doctor in in India. Yeah, <laughs> he said, "Okay, cough for me." And he goes, <coughs> he goes, oh, that's bad. Oh, that's bad. <laughs> and, and so he he goes, "Here comes here comes a prescription being faxed back, right? You know, uh, to him." And the doctor's still there on the back of the screen. Almost the phone rings. He goes, "Hang on one second. And he goes, "Hello." Direct TV. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting two jobs at once. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. you know, but it, it's that's how mainstream it is. I mean, it's that's why the medical marijuana thing is, is laughable anymore. It really is. Yeah, that's true. You know. As we've always said, just if, if, you're, if you're going to do it, uh, by the way, a lot of states now are, are seeing the problems with it. I mean, oh. it's, now it's coming up, the problems with the uh, story in California. We'll get to this where... Uh, huge decrease. It's like twenty five percent of the of the licenses now aren't being used. Think right. about this. Right. Think how bad it is. California can't get people to produce and sell pot. That's how bad the regulation is. Right. No, I mean, if if you want to know the failure of liberalism, when you legalize a drug, yeah, and you can't make it work. No, I mean it, it's the there are so many growers that and and suppliers that look at it and say I make more money 
if without going through the government. It's so expensive to go through the government. I'll just make more. The black market was always going to win in this game. If you're not going to have heavy enforcement on the border, you're done because California is a state, uh, one of the states where the cartels were coming in and starting grows inside the state on state property. Mm-hmm. If yeah. you're not going to enforce the border, then the black market is going to roll over the legal market. And we said this years ago. We said this is probably going to happen. And the question we asked is because now you're seeing it, for example, in California, where you can't make a profit legally right. because all you've done is, you know, you've taxed it to the taxed point. Taxed it. And then the, now, now, and now the else. federal government, you know, they want right. 8%. Right. If, if, you know, if they ever approve it, you know, a nation nationwide, mm-hmm. there's that figure they want 8% they, more. Yeah. And the cartels are like, well, all you're doing is drastically increasing the market because you're legalizing it. And therefore, once you legalize it, it becomes much more acceptable. We're going to make billions on this and you won't enforce your border so we can get over the we can get tons over the border very easily. And you and I said way back then, we said, will that be when Democrats finally become interested in actually uh, securing the border because of because of pot when once we start legalizing it? Because remember the whole thing, and we called, remember the calls we'd get? You guys don't understand. If we if, if we legalize pot and, and sell it, we'll take care of, and, and tax it, we'll take care of all of our problems. And we went, no, you won't. Not even close. And, Not even close. And the black market will roll over it. And, you know, look, if, if the fentanyl problem isn't enough to shut the border down, think about it when it comes to drugs. Yeah. And the that's number of deaths. That's a great point. In every community, because fentanyl's come across the border. They're never going to do it for yep. for the legal pot industry. It's not going to happen. We got a great show ahead of me, and there's so much mm-hmm. going on. Yeah, we're doomed. Eight six six ninety red eye. Cold weather takes a toll on trucks. As warmer weather rolls in, it's time to assess the impact winter has had on your vehicle before you find yourself stranded roadside this spring. Begin your spring maintenance routine by inspecting your brake system and listen closely for any air leaks. During winter, water and moisture that builds up in your air brake system almost always freezes and turns to ice, which can damage your air valves, air dryers, and other essential components. Check and drain your air tanks to help keep water, contaminants, and corrosion at bay. Also, check your slack adjusters for proper stroke and lubrication. And check your brake lining or pads to ensure proper thickness. This report is brought to you by Shell Rotella. Shell Rotella, with advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. Do you know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. Truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letters CPREDEYE, all one word, for 15% off your stay 
at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. In Red Eye Radio, he's Eric Curley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 Red Eye, and uh, just uh, enjoying my drug of choice, my super coffee here. Oh, you've got some super coffee. I've got super coffee. I've it's got like, the crap coffee from the kitchen. Mine is peppermint mocha latte. Uh, really? With, with, uh, with basically the amount of caffeine of two cups of coffee. Yeah. So as I'm, And it also tastes good, so you drink it faster. Oh, yeah. 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 Basically, it's... Yeah. Yeah. I chug it like a shot. See that that, that I don't have that with uh, the, the uh, coffee in the kitchen. It's there. It's it so is. bad. It's hard to drink fast. Uh, regulations, high taxes, uh, and oversupply are causing the legal marijuana industry in California to contract rapidly. Yeah. With the yeah. state reporting losing nearly a quarter of its legal cultivation canopy since the start of 2022. But, you know, from the beginning, you know, this whole legalize it and tax it, and, 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 you know, I was on it years ago. No, don't legalize it and tax it. Just legalize it. Because when you're, when you're begging the government to get involved and you're saying, you know, look, that's going to – what you're saying that's, is to the government, hey, we're willing – you're going to have the consensus from us, the okie-dokie to go forward on um, taxation above and beyond other types of products – and that's exactly what's happening, as you mentioned. If the federal, you know, if it ever went legal on the federal level, they've already said they want their their part of it. They want their share. The Bonus Show. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Hurley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 Red Eye. Yeah, just I want to finish this uh, story that I saw in Breitbart. John Nolte had it uh, talking about the, you know, it, it 420 yesterday. So uh, marijuana seemed to be the talk. <laughs> uh, not as much as it used to be because now that it's legal in a lot of states, but um talked about uh, California that the state reportedly losing a quarter of its legal cultivation canopy since the start of 2022 San Francisco or uh, sfgate.com recently reported the state has lost 1766 cultivation licenses since the beginning of last year according to data reported by the California Department of Cannabis Control and the Cannabis Business Times low wholesale prices and high taxes have made it almost impossible for operators to run a profitable small business, pot industry insiders say. 
The fleeing farms are reducing the total amount of space licensed to produce cannabis in California. The state has lost 23% of basically its manufacturing capability of pot, Hmm. the combined size of all legal cannabis growth since the beginning of 2022, according to Aaron Eldenheit, a cannabis investor who analyzes the California market. Over 19 million square feet of cannabis farming has disappeared over the past year. Well, I mean that's uh, that's good for the world for the you know for the climate. Yes, right. Yes, uh, cannabis Less water being used too. Cannabis uh, uh, <laughs> uh, investor um, uh, Aaron uh, Edelheit, who invests in California cannabis companies and writes about the industry, agreed that the reduction in farms is a correction after too many small farmers entered the industry. California was the first state to legalize the medicinal use of California. It later joined several other states in legalizing recreational youth, a move that proponents said would generate economic growth and tax revenues, but the industry has struggled to find its feet. Earlier this year, a marijuana company started by the family of the late Grateful Dead icon Jerry Garcia left California due to high taxes, and we had said it at the point. If the family of Jerry Garcia, with that imagery, even though a lot of people today might go, who? Mm. People, who? Mm. Jerry, who? Mm. Oh, the ice cream guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, uh, and but um, uh, you know they left California to high taxes and competition from illegal grows, and we said, well, that's right there. That shows that it's doomed. Uh, federal laws against marijuana have also kept the legal portion of the industry from growing, as marijuana companies find it difficult in obtaining banking services and other basic necessities for operating a, a, a you know operating a business. But you can you you can still do it. If you can, if it, if it was profitable, people would they'd get around they'd get around the whole banking thing by dealing much more in uh, uh, in in cash within the state. You know mm-hmm. that's that's what you that's what you would do. And remember, the federal government, the number that was being thrown around, is if you want to get the federal government approval, they're going to want. And the figure that was thrown out, and this is about a year ago, was eight percent. Right. So they'd want an eight percent federal excise tax on it. And so, really, you look at it and it's like, well, that's not going to make us more. That's not going to make us more competitive. And the other point is, as now a lot of these states that have legalized, you know, pot, liberal states that have, they're running into budget problems. What's the first thing that they want to tax? Alcohol, drugs, sure, vices, the vice right. tax, because right. most population will go, okay, yeah, that's that's cool. But think about it. I mean, that's. It's almost like I've always said it about bar rescue, for example, mm-hmm. that it's really amazing that people that are given, you know, the, the that so many people that are given a limited because there's limited licenses that you can get, you know, for a bar. Yeah, it's not easy to get one. Right. So, I mean, it's, you know, and and, and so uh, but, you know, limited licenses to get a bar. So basically the state tells you. You can sell a liquid drug mm-hmm. and have people come in and and it's, and it's like and they can't make money and i've uh I've always thought about that when when watching a, a bar rescue, but the same thing here when you think about it, all this talk and you and I said, well, they're not dealing with reality here in in the marijuana biz in the marijuana business because uh, if you're going to legalize it, you're still going to have to go up against the cartel and now the Democrats. I mean, the Democrats probably 
just because of marijuana alone and those that wish to. And you've seen what has happened with the legalization of drugs in Portland. Yeah. I mean, it's right. a complete nightmare. Right. In, in Portland with the legalization of almost, you know, all small amounts of drugs. It is a nightmare. Well, there. And, and, and because they're, the push now is going beyond marijuana. Right. On legalization, uh, there's, you know, talk about uh, legalization on, on microdosing on, on mushrooms and hallucinogenics and all this, you know, inevitable behavior, at which it, it was going to happen because it was like, well, if that is natural and it's okay, then this is also natural and should be okay. And you're you're going to see that over and over again and that's exactly what you're seeing and then it's the same thing too you you're seeing the same conversation well but the clinical benefits are proven are eh. they we've heard that before well uh well i i you know i have have they been a have they been examined by the fda or is it, it's like is there like supplements well and it's, look we 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 know the con job of a lot of supplements out there over the years well yeah that and even if the FDA were involved, I'd still have the same, you know, I'd still scrutinize, right? Because, I mean, it's like you've come up with, there in our society, we've come up with so many so-called solutions, whether it's a, a legal medication that's being prescribed or, I mean, look, look at some of the oldest cigarette ads. They made it sound like it was good for you. I know, I know. There's a benefit, you know. I mean, uh, uh, people were were drinking liquid opium, you know. At one point, it's like <laughs> is that the bottle Lou gave you. That the same bottle Lou gave you. Tombstone reference. Uh, Coca-Cola. You know, and you know, there's we've had this in our society, probably from the beginning, from the very first time that um man drank something that had fermented far too long and then went whoa dude is that fire um that's the you know that's kind of been well the quest really and everybody's looking for okay now what's the next thing what's the next thing what's the next thing you know so as marijuana use is socially acceptable then it's like okay let's start having a conversation about this let's start having a conversation about that and you can get to a political consensus if you have enough people for instance who like to smoke weed Mm -hmm. your political you know um consensus is going to be built built in and that was going to happen likely because of the growing popularity of the no pun intended of the drug itself you know, I mean, through generations, then it was going to be inevitably we'd finally get to a president who had smoked pot before. We'd finally get to basically a whole generation of people who had some exposure to it, uh, likely, whether they either tried it or were exposed to it and and had friends who used it all the time. And as that acceptance grows, you build that political consensus where you get to a point of legalization. And then I, I talked about for years the problem with whether or not they could standardize the edibles and how that was going to work. And, you know, again, uh, whatever it was, an eighth of a cookie. Well, nobody eats an eighth of a cookie, right, in terms of dosing. 
Mm-hmm. And and all of these problems that come with this industry, a legal, a brand new legal industry in terms of its legality, still today is new and still trying to find its legs. And when you ask, when you start out by saying we're okay with the government coming in and taxing it because that's the trade-off. It's not a real trade-off because eventually the cost to government is going to drive it uh, out of out of the, the, the pricing range. And then people are going to turn to, because they say to themselves, well, if it's legal at the dispensary, it's fine if I go down the street and get it from a guy. I'm getting it cheaper. Same stuff. Right. And, and what I wonder, for example, with, uh, you know, New York, for example, that has just, you know, I think it was last year or the year before, um, you know, legalized it, but they really don't have a lot of retailers outside of the reservations, mm. the Indian reservations that jumped on it immediately. Mm-hmm. And so they're not paying the same taxes. Right. And so when you look at, you know, when you look at or they don't want to pay the taxes, I have a feeling that the state of New York will eventually come after them for taxes. Mm. But they jumped on it immediately. Yeah. And and so the actual licenses outside, well, uh, because the reservation doesn't need the New York State license once it was legal. Right. Uh, and so all the other ones now are competing against not only the cartels, but the reservations that don't have to pay uh, the same taxes. And so it's like, is it just going to be a, you know, is it going to be a, a bust? Uh, I don't know when you see what Portland did, which was legalize small amounts of almost every drug out there. Yeah, decriminalized, basically. De- decriminalized, some of yeah. the harder drugs. Um, and and the, the fact is, because this is, this is really the unbelievable thing when it comes to um, liberalism and where it has gone. Uh, when I was watching one of the YouTube videos of the the people that are trying to, you know, trying to straighten Portland out, and these are residents, longtime residents, many liberal, that said liberalism has gone insane, mm-hmm. and this one drug counselor out there that said, it's he said my belief is they actually want people to die in the streets because you can't be that stupid to sit there and say we're going to, you know, uh, basically decriminalize small amounts of every single drug and then the government provides tents for people to and invite them in essence to be homeless yeah giving them a place to live right. and saying we're not even going to come after you for the drugs right. and and then have public services all the public services available you've created a destructive you have enabled a completely destructive lifestyle mm-hmm. and that's what's happened in in portland and when I was watching one of the YouTube videos, they had this woman from a reporter from British Columbia that was thinking of doing the same thing. I don't know if they ever did it in British Columbia or not, but, uh, you know, of legalizing drugs. And she was driving around with the police officers and, you know, basically every single day. I mean, probably one of the busiest things they're doing if you're downtown is carrying the, what is it, the Nar- Narcam? Yeah. They're, they're carrying that with them. Yeah. And one yeah. officer ran out of it. Luckily, another there were paramedics that actually had one for somebody who was on the street, and you saw them as they the guy came back right there. Yeah. Okay, everything's fine or whatever, and they moved. And and so she, uh, there was a guy who was in a business of removing graffiti. He owns a business doing that, and they pulled over to talk to him, and and she said, 
well, I'm from British Columbia, and we're thinking of doing the same thing of decriminalizing drugs that Portland did. You should have seen this guy. He turned and he said, don't do it. Don't do it. It's destroyed the city. Yeah, well, it has. And, I mean, and the thing is, too, is that you couple that with the fentanyl. Basically, fentanyl has infiltrated every other drug. They're, they're finding it in 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 marijuana they're finding it in 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 cocaine they're finding it in in everything of course heroin they're finding it everywhere and the so you decriminalize these harder drugs and you expand essentially the opportunity for fentanyl to be yes mm-hmm. deadly in many more cases i don't know why you're doing it because in in that that's it it's as if they want people to die. 86690 Red Eye. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Friday Radio. He's Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. You know what I also noticed yesterday? Mm. Even the liberal media I saw in the New York Times talking about, you know, the medical problems with marijuana, mm. the problems that they cause, and actually talked about, mm. you know, and it's I'm, I'm not playing doctor here, and I'm not, this is not about, you know, having a back and forth on it. Yeah. But they were talking about the addictive properties of pot. Mm. Like, whoa. I mean, just to see that from the liberal media is what blew my mind. Well, it's interesting because everything that basically, you know, rises up to a point of being widely popular, then it's going to be scrutinized to death once it gets to that point. We talk about it being mainstream. And so it was inevitable that, you know, as it becomes mainstream, more socially acceptable. I don't know, maybe it was mainstream before, but it is going to then be scrutinized and torn apart by the media uh, and others. And that's the way it's going to go. You know, uh, that's the way it was likely always going to go. But the fact is, is that, you know, the legal industry is facing an uphill battle. question is, you're going to have huge corporations now as the only players. And are they even interested in getting in to the full game? Top of the Hour News is brought to you by House Products. Visit HouseProducts.com. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the world, 86690 Red Eye. I'm Gary McNamara. He's Eric Carley. Good morning. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, you know what? This, this uh, weekend is the Independent Bob Golf Tournament. Oh, that's right. Actually, it's Independent Bob's older brother, 
Tom's Golf Tournament. All right. I've met Tom. It, yeah, you have, yeah. yeah. Make-A-Wish. It's a Make-A-Wish yeah. Good. Foundation Good. Uh, Golf Tournament. Good. So uh, it will be interesting because for those new listeners to the show, Independent Bob, a uh, friend of mine for mm, almost a couple of decades now, mm. uh, and uh, we used to play golf together all the time. And so uh, he's not really Independent Bob anymore. He's become, you know, he... If if you ask him what he believes, he would be viewed as conservative Bob. Mm. <clears throat> now, but I've been calling him Independent Bob for such a long time that yeah, people yeah. just realize Flows that. better. Yeah, conservative Bob sounds boring. Well, what changed, <laughs> you know, uh, well, I'll tell you, because uh, Independent Bob was like a couple of people, other friends that I know and family members, they used to say, yeah, look, you know, you're a conservative, but, you know, the Democrats have some good ideas. And then we'd have a debate. None of them say that anymore. <laughs> Even if they object to some of the things, it's it's almost if, you know, and, and this is what I think the Republicans need to take advantage of. What the narrative seems to be out there from a lot of independents is, yeah, I don't like some of the stuff about Republicans. But the Democrats are insane. Yeah. I mean, they're just insane. And it will be interesting because uh, we have a party tonight. And this uh, this golf tournament's like about ooh, it's about sixty five miles from where I live, so uh, I will I actually get a ho- I get a hotel for this one because mm. the last thing I want to do the party goes on until like eleven o'clock twelve because we all get into discussions and it's just it's just it's one of my favorite weekends of the entire year it really is and so I I don't want to I don't want to at midnight drive sixty five miles back home then wake up at seven o'clock and drive sixty five miles back yeah. better just to get a hotel right. And but and so it's uh, and that's part of the reason is I don't want to I don't want to go to the party at seven and leave at eight because it's just too much great discussion. And I know it will be just some I know that things are so insane that not only Bob, but, you know, other people that I know there are are going to want to talk about, you know, just sure everything that's that's going on. So I'm prepared that I cannot stay in my insulated bubble tonight. I will. I will. I will be forced to uh, politically socialize. Yeah. All right. <laughs> it'll be no. It'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure it'll be fun. So, I just wonder what I really wonder what they will lead with. You know, what will these people that you know they know me and and I know them? What will they lead with for me? What will be the lead? The number one thing. The number one or two or three things on their mind that they want to vent about. Hmm. So it's going to be interesting. So I think the Bud Light thing will come up. The liberal transgender activist movement, it's, you know, that's where you get the insane. In fact, I do have, it's from a couple of days ago, and it was really the imagery of this that, that uh, caught me. It was uh, House Republican female lawmakers a couple of days ago talking about the legislation uh, to, uh, to uh, ban uh uh, you know, uh, uh, trans women in women's and g- girls sports. Yeah. And I just thought the imagery was great because it's about time. And over the last 10 years that you and I have been talking about it, and we were on this really early, probably before 99.9% of other conservatives were on it, we saw where this was going. We saw this a long, long time ago where it mm. was going. And we had said, 
you know, uh, probably it would have been um, probably when when Obama started talking about it. So it would have been six years ago where we said, look, it's going to kill. It's going to kill liberal feminism if they continue with this, uh, because you you cannot, you know, you will destroy women's sports. You will destroy opportunity for women. Mm. We talked about how sexist and, and misogynist is it was. We, you know, we're talking about the fact of, you know, when in the hell did we ever say, let's just let's just forget about let's just forget about and intimidate and bully, you know, women in this country and let men define what a woman is. Mm -hmm. But when you think of it, the this imagery that I'm and I'm looking at it right now and it's all women, you know, it's all the GOP, you know, uh, House women all lined up behind And the imagery is something that's needed because really for the last 10 years, you know, when you had uh, Riley Gaines come forward, boom. And now you've got more. The volleyball player that remember she was Mm -hmm. she was uh, hurt by the uh, the, she's speaking out now. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're getting more. We talked about the two liberal women's groups that are now, you know, uh, coming out. You know, against us, Martina Navratilova back out talking about it and. You know, it's it's something that needs to happen, but it has to be if you really want to get the impact on it. Women are the ones that really have to have a prominent role in it. And really, for the last 10 years of talking about it, and this is the this is the the thing where I think about it. It's like, well, that's just that's weird. But what has kept this in the limelight and what has worn the who has worn the country what is you know what is about to happen have been conservative men in the media for the most part mm-hmm. it's been conservative men pushing for you know the 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 rights of women to be women yeah and so it was good to see this and i want to play this audio cut uh here and uh i think the the main speaker is representative virginia fox from north carolina mm. But uh, it's just really interesting the language that they are now using, which I think is very important that they do that. Yay! Here we go. Yeah, just the chairwoman of the committee. <laughs> yes, Chairwoman Virginia Fox, our wonderful chair of education and workforce. Thanks. Uh, we have a Republicans have this wonderful way of scheduling three things at the same time around here. So sorry. Um, Today's passage of H.R. 734, the Protection of Women and Girls in Sports Act, will be a monumental win for women and girls across our country. The perverse biological fantasies of the left are both dangerous and a direct threat to women's sports and all female athletes across our country. And the Biden administration's doubling down on this insanity by pushing regulations that will upend the laws 20 states have on the books protecting women's sports. Harm is being done to women athletes, and the American people know this is wrong. So House Republicans took action to support and protect the women and girls who've come so far to get much-deserved recognition for their athletic achievements. This legislation is the first step towards restoring integrity and fairness in women's sports. The strides of women in sports should never be sacrificed to appease the radical woke mobs on the left. 
There you go. And she used the word insanity, the Biden insanity. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting because I had seen the headline. I haven't gone directly to the House.gov, but I did see a headline today that said every single Democrat voted against this bill. And this is where we talk about that the insanity at the federal level in Congress, there are no moderates. Think about no, this. No. Every single member of the Democrats of the House yeah. voted for males to define women Yep, in sports. Yep. For men to play against women. That's what we said. There is no moderate anymore. And I've been having that conversation with people. I said, you know, you know maybe... You could have you could have said that uh, you know ten years ago or fifteen years ago or twenty years ago. You can't say it now. On all the major issues, the Democrats are lying because their positions are so radical and in some cases absolutely insane. What they're pushing that you you use those words not to be politically shocking, but to accurately portray what the Democrats on the federal level are doing. Yeah, and you you know. What's interesting is that the party is hell-bent on going even further left. Uh, you look at, at, at what's going on with, you know, the possible rise of Newsom. Um, it's not because, you know, it's not just because Biden is so bad. It's also because he's bad at, they believe, at selling it. At, at getting right. a greater consensus for the agenda. As radical as Biden has been, according to the left, especially the far left, he's not good enough as a radical. This is what you see with Mayor Brandon. (laughs) I love that his first name is Brandon. In Chicago, it is going to be, my gosh, people will go, well, you know, Mayor Lightfoot was much more centered. (laughs) It is going to be with every next person more and more far left, more Mm -hmm. and more radical. This is what they have been screaming when McAuliffe, the night that McAuliffe lost the governor's race on on MSNBC and, and other places. The far left were saying, we don't have enough of the far left in terms of candidates that are running. We need more people, essentially more radicals. Uh, Jeffries, uh, House Minority Leader. He's, look, this is, if, if he became Speaker of the House, my gosh, and they had, you know, enough votes there and in the Senate, just write it off. They're waiting. They're Biden, Biden, <laughs> Biden. Their time with Chuck in the Senate because they want someone more radical to be Senate majority leader. They, if they had the votes in the House and the Senate, oh my gosh. Yeah, here it is. The House on Thursday passed legislation aimed at preventing biological males from competing, uh, against in girls and women's, uh, uh sports at schools across the country in uh, which several Democrats accused Republicans of bullying transgender students by calling up uh, the bill. The Protection of Women and Girls in Sports Act passed 219 to 203 Thursday. All the yes votes came from Republicans. Every single no vote came from Democrats. You couldn't get one Democrat 
This is understand how sexist and misogynist anti-women they are. Yep. That's a little bit redundant, but it makes the point. Mm-hmm. Well, well and- that's what Democrats are. They are. This is the most... This is the most anti-women in modern history, the most misogynist political party in modern American political history. They and it's, want to destroy Title IX. Yep. And what they say is, this is our interpretation of Title IX. No, just say it. You don't believe in Title IX. Here it is. Uh, the bill is about bullying children. Stop bullying children. Mm-hmm. House Republicans are choosing to bully and belittle trans children. No, you perverts, you child abuse perverts Mm. on the Democrat side. That's, you know, you are the one that is immoral. You are the one that is promoting child abuse and sexism and misogyny like has never happened before in any major political party in modern American political history. You're wrong. But they still want to fight. Yeah. They still don't want to get... They want men to define women. Yep. They they wish to bully and talk about bullying. My God. You don't agree with us? We'll destroy... You're You're an Ivy League woman swimmer? We'll destroy your life. We'll come after you hard. We'll come after you. And will never be done. Just amazing. And growing more radical by the second. Over and over again. And they want control of your children. And they don't believe you're the authority in the classroom. They don't believe you should be the authority in the home. If your child says something and you disagree, they believe that's abusive. Uh, Representative Mark Takano, by the way, I saw him going back and forth in Congress with Republicans the other day, and he mm. couldn't even answer any of the questions. It, right. was, it yeah. was humorous. Right. Uh, said the bill would make schools less safe for women and girls and argued that even discussing the legislation on the House floor was doing harm to transgender students. The debate itself has been traumatizing. Mm. Here's her argument again. Yeah. If you even debate it and ask what a, you know, ask what a woman is. Even talking about right, it. Talking about it because you genuinely have curiosity about what the debate is about. That in itself is transphobic and is inciting violence. And you say, what do you mean it's inciting violence? And they'll come back at you and say, because way over the general population, transgenders attempt to commit suicide at a 25% rate. And you say, well, then there's a huge mental health problem here. How dare you say there's a mental health problem here? Well, sorry, you can't have it both ways. Discussion is abusive. Yes. That's where we are. That's where they are. And look, I really wonder how many Democrats really buy into it or whether they just feel intimidated that they have to do it, where the intimidation is so bad. Because you're talking about 203 congressmen, every single one voted for male athletes to compete against female athletes. Yeah. This is the insanity of the Democratic Party right Right, now. Right. And even discussing it is abusive. How dare you talk about it? 866-90-RED-EYE. Least owner-operators should be aware of four common revenue myths, lest you fall into the trap of mistaking revenue for profit. Myth 1. Concentrate on increasing revenue because costs will take care of themselves. This is not true, as costs are fundamental to the profit equation and the area where owners exert the most control to improve. 
Myth two, more revenue per mile is the answer to all problems. Though carrier pay packages differ in structure, revenue per mile really doesn't change much from company to company. But there can be a big difference in miles, overall gross revenue, reimbursements, and fees. Myth three, all you have to do to be successful is run a lot of miles. In reality, revenue is only half of the profit equation. Costs are the other half. It's possible to generate a lot of revenue, yet spend a dollar ten to make every dollar. Myth four, you can tell how well you're doing by the size of your settlement check. The settlement check is only a part of the success picture. Miles driven, loads hauled, conditions, mechanical problems, time off, and especially costs all have to be considered. Owner Operator Business 101 is provided by Shell Rotella. Shell Rotella, with advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. So here we go. Um, Merrick Garland. Yeah. Uh, New York Post on it. Now everybody on the fact that uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, the person who lied before Congress about the Hunter Biden situation uh, is uh, Merrick Garland. This is really going to get interesting. A ton of questions was asked to Green Jean-Pierre. She couldn't answer anything. And yesterday, I mean, it was there were a lot of tough questions that were asked to her. You can tell that, you know, there's nothing positive to talk about. There's no way to spin all the things that are happening right now. And so the reporters are just actually asking, you know, really good uh, uh, questions. Uh, I did love this New York Post article, though, from Andrew McCarthy. Of course, Biden officials are interfering in his son's case. Why else has Hunter skated for five years? Right. Because that's the point coming up. And I'll, we'll have even have some stuff. The networks are carrying it. Every network. I mean, ABC, yeah. NBC, NBC, CBS, now. and Fox. Yeah. yeah. They, they've now all, uh, they've now all uh, uh, covered it. And so we'll get to some of the, you know, the points that they have uh, made. And one of it is that their sources are telling, their law enforcement sources, telling them, hey, we've had the evidence for a year and nothing has happened right. whatsoever. Right. Why are we waiting? Listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios, and he is Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara. Eight six six ninety Red Eye. Download our Red Eye Radio app today and listen when and where you want. If you can't listen live overnight, 
All right, so here is uh, NBC, just a, a, a quick uh, portion of their report last night on uh, on uh, the Hunter Biden situation. Mm. Two senior law enforcement officials describing to NBC News growing frustration inside the FBI because federal investigators finished the bulk of their work about a year ago and suspect political interference is delaying the process. Uh, then we go to, this will be, uh, this is uh, ABC from uh, yesterday. The attorney for Hunter Biden says the agent is committing a crime by discussing an ongoing tax investigation in an attempt to harm the president's son. But the whistleblower's attorney just told me such claims are baseless. So there you go. But both, that's just to show that both are, are uh, you know, ABC, NBC. We had played CBS yesterday covering it. And of course, Fox is covering it. CNN is, uh, is, uh, is, uh, is covering it. I don't know if MSNBC has covered it yet, but the, the fact is, uh, it is uh, it is out there. Just reading here from the New York Post, uh, I read you the headline, Andrew McCarthy. Uh, and it's like, <laughs> let's say you lied on a required federal firearms form to conceal your use of illegal drugs so you could buy a thirty eight caliber handgun. Then you irresponsibly lost that gun across the street from a school. And then the government found video evidence of you waving that gun around while cavorting with a prostitute. If you had done all those things within a few days in 2018, do you suppose that five years later the government would have taken exactly zero action against you? <laughs> no arrest, no indictment, no prosecution? Do you imagine that you would be that lucky? Or do you figure that you'd have long ago been charged with making a false statement and illegally possessing a firearm, especially by a government being run by a Democrat such as Joe Biden, who has a history of being a demagogue, crusading against Second Amendment rights? No, you'd be in serious legal trouble. In fact, there's only one way to get off scot-free for this kind of egregious behavior. You have to be Joe Biden's son. Oh, okay. And that's a lesson to be taken away from the inevitable yet startling news that a whistleblower, a senior Internal Revenue Service criminal investigator who's been overseeing the Hunter Biden probe, has complained to the IRS, to the Justice Department, and now to the House and Senate committees that the probe has been undermined by political interference. A lawyer for the whistleblower has reported that preferential treatment and politics have been improperly infecting decisions and protocols that would normally be followed by career law enforcement professionals in similar circumstances if the subject were not politically connected. Of course that has to be true. How else could Hunter Biden have been under investigation for so many years with no charges? The gun offenses are so straightforward that they'd be uh, they, they'd take a competent investigator five days, not five years, to wrap up a, a case for prosecution. Some of the tax offenses, which stretch back seven years or more, are so undeniable that liens were placed on Hunter's properties. And it's been widely reported that he borrowed millions of dollars from a crony to pay what he owed the government. It gets worse. The salient feature of the investigation is not Hunter Biden. I saw, I, I got to see if I can find that one Democrat screaming yesterday on the House floor. Hunter Biden is not the president of the United States. It's like, okay, we've already dealt with that argument before. I don't think anybody on the, uh, do, do, have you heard anybody on the right make that argument? No. no. They no. have simply said that Hunter Biden was the conduit for influence peddling for the Biden family. This isn't about Hunter. Right. 
Uh, it is the Biden family, specifically the question of why, when uh, when Joe Biden exercised significant influence over U.S. policy regarding several foreign governments, including anti-American regimes as China and the bastions of corruption in Ukraine, people closely tied to those governments believed it was in their interest to pay millions of dollars to Joe Biden, or excuse me, millions of dollars to Joe Biden's unstable son, uh, his smooth operator brother, and other Biden relatives. The long-awaited, though always obvious answer, comes from the IRS whistleblower. Political interference from the Biden administration has prevented investigators from taking basic steps that they would take in any other similar situation where millions of dollars of foreign money has been paid in blatant efforts to influence a United States official. Mm. Investigators haven't been able to look into possible money laundering offenses or failures to register under federal laws requiring disclosure of work done for foreign governments and interests. It's also obvious under the circumstance, uh, uh, about dismaying uh, to hear it, said aloud by an authoritative source, suspect testimony has been provided to Congress by Attorney General Merrick Garland, who seems to be the official described by the whistleblower's lawyer in the, uh, uh, as the senior political appointee. Mm. Now the New York Post came out also and said the same thing, that it is <clears throat> Merrick Garland. Merrick Garland has been adamant that David Weiss, the Delaware U.S. attorney nominally heading the, the Biden pro, has not faced any interference from the Justice Department. The whistleblower counters that there is already a readily available evidence of a failure to mitigate clear conflicts of interest in the ultimate disposition of this case. Again, <laughs> how could there not be the conflict of interest in Biden's Justice Department investigation of Biden's son could not be clear, yet Garland has refused to appoint a special counsel. Federal regulations call for such an appointment whenever there is evidence warranting an investigation or prosecution, but the Justice Department is conflicted. In 2019, a whistleblower provided information about potential wrongdoing by President Trump in a conversation with Ukraine's president. The whistleblower's connection to what he reported uh, was uh, uh, you know, uh, less than that of the IRS whistleblower here, and the information the Trump whistleblower disclosed was far less clear. But that didn't stop Democrats, who then controlled the House from turbocharging investigations to the point that Trump was eventually impeached, even though no crime had been committed. House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer reacted to the IRS whistleblower revelations by asserting that the Biden administration may be obstructing justice, which actually is a crime. Hmm. Uh, The whistleblower's lawyer says uh, his client wants to testify about the political roadblocks that have obstructed investigators. Comer needs to make that happen, preferably in public. There's already been too much inaction from behind the scenes. And that's the point now. I mean, I, I think now is what they should be looking to get the whistleblower, you know, to get whatever protections he needs that you take care of. You take care of that. Then you have him testify. You get Bobby Linsky to testify. You get everybody to testify yeah. here out in the open as to as to what happened. And you connect the dots of the money. I don't. And again, Comer's uh, and others are screaming that Janet Yellen will not release the SARS. 
well, you get you get whatever subpoenas you need uh, to get this, you know, to get this done. But you know, you get you know you get the you get the whistleblower there as quickly as possible, and so uh, so Merrick Garland's out of it. Well, so whether you get a, whether you get a spot, but see if you get a special prosecutor, we're talking about another two years. Here's the thing. When it comes to whistleblowers in the government and every different agency or the different agencies have their different protocol. But as far as we know, this whistleblower is going through the protocol for the IRS. We, we, I don't know yes. anybody making the claim that they have not followed protocol. And the point being that in the private sector, uh, there is... It is against the law for if there is a, an employee believes there's wrongdoing or something going on, and then there is retaliation. It is that can be you can you can actually, uh, you know, um, it's it's a civil law, but you can actually go after an employer or somebody a, a supervisor for coming after you if you, you know, say that they've done if you tell management they've done something wrong. In a whistleblower situation, this is on the surface for them coming out saying, well, he's breaking the law by doing this. For them to talk about it in that way is, in my opinion, in and of itself, intimidation and breaches really the, the or, or, or certainly walks up to the point very close to retaliation in this case. Because the idea is to intimidate the whistleblower into not doing something. If the whistleblower is not following protocol and is breaking the law, then it will be up to the whistleblower's lawyers to um, defend that person if they are ever charged with that. And there is also, on the other side of that, there is also a process in which that any rule or law would be enforced. And it is not the back and forth in the media. This is clearly, in my opinion, an attempt to intimidate this whistleblower. Uh, and that is a clear also retaliation effort uh, that I think is needs to be pointed out by his lawyers. Uh, you know, maybe they will at some point. But this has to be, you know, if you look at it, this is why a lot of um, employees won't become whistleblowers. They fear that someone will come after them. They fear, and in this case, it's the biggest someone in the country. Mm -hmm. And that's who you're yeah. essentially um, going up against, and you know that from day one. And the lawyer's saying, the whistleblower is willing to testify. So then willing to put themselves... Again, in a spot where if they are found to be lying under oath, they know they can go to jail for that. So you have to ask yourself, why would they be motivated? Now, okay, yeah, they don't like a Joe Biden. You're going to go that far as an IRS employee or agent? You're going to go that far? You're going to risk your entire career and risk going to prison for the fact that you don't like Joe Biden, well, more than half of his own party don't want him to run again. That's a wasted effort, in my opinion. 
I think it's very clear that this whistleblower has something, and I hope that is the case, and I hope we hear everything. Well, when you see the last couple of, uh, of, of weeks here, when you see that, you know, now we know. I mean, and that's, this is why the media can't get off it now. That's why they're covering it. Right. Because not only has it gotten, it was so bad for Biden, especially, you know, again, he still claims that he knew nothing about his son's business dealings. Mm-hmm. We knew, as we said, that's going to come back to haunt him because obviously he did. There's no way he didn't know. And then uh, we found out through the voicemail. Yeah. And then we found out through the records that have come out. Uh, here just in the last couple of weeks, that 80 different times, 80 different times the business partners of uh, of Hunter Biden were, were in the White House uh, when Joe Biden was vice president talking to him. Yeah. And that was so damning at that point. Yeah. And now that you basically have a whistleblower, and the story now is Merrick Garland is covering for the Biden family and Merrick Garland lied before Congress. You have those unanswered questions about what it is and so now you've got the attorney general uh, and the accusation is covering for the president. The president's lying about knowing about his son's business activities. We know the 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 the, the money, we, you know, the three million dollar figure, the fact that now it involves many more members of the Biden family being uh, enriched. The Republicans accusation, Comer, that part of the classified documents <clears throat> may have been given, uh, you know, may have uh, been part of what they, you know, used in order to get the Chinese deal done. And that's why, you know, the classified documents were around Hunter Biden. You can't get everything on this stinks. I mean, it just, there isn't one thing. There's 10 things that yeah, make you go, right. whoa, this is just bad. So it's not going away. And this is where the media just says, okay, we've got an avalanche. We have to cover this. Right. And that's what you're seeing. Yep. Eight six six ninety red eye Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll-free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Horning. I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. And this story becomes so big, Eric, because... um, you have now the allegation is Merrick Garland knows that they're holding up this investigation yeah. into influence peddling. Forget right. about the gun. Right, right. Well, you know, because the public will look. I mean, they you probably a lot of people say, well, look, he he uh, you know, the Democrats claim they they care about gun crimes. They won't prosecute that. That's a le- totally legit story. Right. But as to what really relates to people that they hate is influence peddling. Mm hmm. And now you have not just the influence peddling, and over the last couple of weeks, that keeps growing and growing and growing. Everyone knows the president is lying about not knowing about his son's business activities. Right. And now you've got what? You're telling me the attorney general, the allegation is the attorney general of the United States lied to Congress uh, about the the effort to make sure that these investigations are being done uh, 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 properly. He's lying. So Biden in influence peddling with the Chinese, Ukraine, Russia, the oligarchs. He's being protected by the Attorney General of the United States. That's the question in people's minds. Right. That's not going anywhere. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. 
It's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. Yeehaw! He's Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Here we go. Here we go. It's a Friday. This week has been a blur. I know it is. It's a great point. It's been a blur. Yeah. So much going on. It, it really is nonstop now. It's just nonstop craziness. And I thought about it the other day because I sat down and, you know, it was like, all right, all right, I've finished what I was doing and then doing some show prep stuff and it's like, I wouldn't want it to slow down. I want some of the insanity in terms of policy to end. I would love to see us become a fiscally responsible nation. That's not going to happen. And it is, you know, it, there, there are things that, you know, we, you and I can sit here and we talk all night about things. We promote ideas. We promote certain policies. And we're hopeful that one day that there, you know, uh, some things will actually see the light of day. But, you know, I can't control what a Hunter Biden did already in the past. I can't control uh, what the far left is doing in schools. I can't control the... Uh, the the Secretary of Homeland Security and and the fact that and, and his nature to be arrogant and defiant and to be a liar I can say it without having it stricken from the record. Marjorie Taylor Greene can't. I can call him a liar. She can't call him a liar, <laughs> even though she can accuse him of lying. Right. She can't call him a liar. liar right. Yeah. That was yeah. Only in the yeah. government. No. Well, I, I think, you know, that's the interest with Republicans taking over and, and uh, you know, actually having, you know, being able to set the agenda, mm-hmm. which is a lot of the agenda that we want to find out what's going on on a variety of different things. And we want the challenges and we want the debate from everything uh, from energy to the to the debt ceiling to where are we going to go uh, with the uh, the the you know the the budget to a story like you know uh, influence peddling of the president, which is a huge story. I mean, it's like yeah. the president of the United States uh, and and everything else that we talk about the liberal transgender activist uh, uh, movement, critical mm-hmm. race theory. I mean, these are all basic things that that we look at and say, well, you know, critical race theory and the liberal transgender activist movement they defy reality. They're bigoted. They're racist, they're sexist, they're misogynist, and they're being promoted by the most powerful people in one of the most powerful parties in the United States. So mm-hmm. it's important, but, I, you know, when you talk about the thing that every single day it's like you, we wake up, I mean, I thrive on it. I mean, I, I thrive on getting the news. I thrive on, you know, I told you the other day when they were holding like, oh, I don't know, four or five different committee hearings you know, I yeah. I was up at you know I was besides calling my dad, mm-hmm. 
uh, I didn't leave. And, you know, I've got my computer in front of me, my television in front of me, and I got the computerized television so I can go to every clip from YouTube and the live stuff and everything else. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, it's 4 in the afternoon. I'm still in my boxer shorts. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, I've got to eat something. And you're standing in Walgreens. Exactly, right. <laughs> and 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 so I, I was actually telling you to start the show. I've got some uh, uh, some uh, people coming out uh, next week to take care of a lot. I'm still going to cut my lawn and edge, Mm -hmm. but everything else I'm going to have somebody take care of. I don't have the time to do anything anymore. And I've got to, I still got to do my physical activity stuff. That's necessary, you know, because Mm -hmm. when you're type two diabetic, you want to make sure that you get everything done. And I want to golf a little bit. It's like, I don't have time anymore. And, and part of it's probably because you work overnight, but there isn't a day. And I, I think I've told it to you, Every single day this week, probably, right before we went on the air, I say, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I can't absorb everything that happens during the day. There are so many impressions that I, that, is, yeah. that is hitting yeah. me every day yeah. that it's like, okay, just go on the air. And, and you start from point one. And I think probably every day this week when we've started, I've said, I hear, you know, I'm like, Eric, I'm, I've just... I, I don't know. And then at 1 o'clock, it's like, well, we found a way, didn't we? <laughs> and, and then the show just keeps moving on from that particular point. Yeah. yeah. And, and so, uh, and, and, I, and I know that if you are working another, I'm talking about our listeners, if you're working another job, a lot of you will come and say, okay, these guys will everything organized in their heads about what happened during the day. And we get complimented for that. You really covered a lot of the stuff, but you have to understand a minute before going on the air, it's like I have no idea how we're going to get all this in. I have no idea. It's complete chaos. It's yeah, but um, yeah, but we yeah. we somehow managed to uh, to do it. But it is it is great. I mean, I um, I do, and I I know you do too. And we we can talk like this. It's the end of the week. We've we've had a a, a full week. I feel so privileged to be able to have this job. I mean, the privilege of being able to do this uh, and cover all these things every day and analyze and them actually and, and and hash it out, talk it yeah, out, is just, go through it all, and 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 walk through these these scenarios on these on these issues and stories is yeah, and uh, it, it, it <laughs> frankly it's therapeutic. And and I'm and I'm so appreciative to our to our great listeners. I'm so appreciative. Uh, to our sponsors, I'm so so appreciative to our company, yeah. because really, and and you know, we had talked about this earlier this week with the uh, you know with the whole uh, you know Fox you know thing where you know they felt pressured to say something mm. different on the air than they did off the air, mm-hmm. and we don't like that in conservative media. That bothers us tremendously, and some of the people over there are acquaintances of ours that you know we've we've dealt with before and. And uh, think uh, our, you know, when when we knew them are quite, you know, uh, you know, we, you know, people of character. But mm-hmm. you didn't see that because character is when things get tough. And we went through the same thing that Fox News went through. There were people, there were conservatives, there were Trump supporters that wanted us to parrot the narrative that they believed, even though the evidence wasn't there. We wouldn't do it. We won't ever do it. I won't lie for somebody who calls themselves a conservative. I won't lie for people that I may agree on the issues 90% with. I'm not going to lie, and you're not going to lie either. That's the culture. I'm not going to lie for a family member. Right. And members of my family will 
tell you that that is my position, uh-huh. not that it's come up, but we've had this conversation before. If and- you're going to go out into the world, and this is what, you know, I, I hope my, my adult children learn from me, and, I, you know, we had the conversation about it repeatedly. If you're going to go out into the world, you're going to have to earn that credibility on your own. Mm-hmm. And while if you, you know, if, if you've got that record or whatever it is, I'm not going to vouch for you for the sake of vouching for you. I'm not going to stand up for you for the sake of standing up for you. If I believe you're in the right and I believe I've seen whatever it is, evidence or whatever it is, then I will absolutely look at it and say, this they're right about this and this is what this shows but that's not right. what happened right i i can still i can still agree with everybody on the on the issues but i'm not going to to parrot the bs on either side i i just i i won't do it and we appreciate because it was a couple of years ago and you know we we look at the fox thing you know and we say we remember because there were people we're never listening to you again hmm. and then you know we get people coming back okay yeah i listened to you again now, all right, well, okay, I just got ex- – and that's that's fine. I, I have no problem with it. And I'm not upset about it. I'm not – because <laughs> this is the business we have chosen. Mm. <laughs> but it is. It's the business we have chosen. And we've actually been critical of, of uh, what ended up being really not conservative talk show hosts that quit because said the business gets too tough. Well – when you get into the hard issues, the business is always going to get tough. The the uh, it's never been the, a better time, in my opinion. Right, but the but the art of debate can get quite vicious at times, mm-hmm. and you know that's an expectation of of what you do for we're adults. So I mean, things are going to get heated at times. I mean, we have we have freedom of the press, and one of the reasons that we have freedom excuse me freedom of speech. One of the reasons is is because uh, you know that's supposed to be the relief valve. You know, we it 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 helps when so. That's why we're for free speech, no matter whether it's disinformation, an outright lie, misinformation, whatever you want to call it. We're for free speech and part of our job. And we said this, and I know you and I both believe this. We probably have talked maybe once or twice about it in our careers. I don't think we ever did when we first started working together, but we believe the same way. Everybody right now is BSing. Everybody is lying. Mm -hmm. We're not going to lie. It's that simple. I don't think there's a need to. you, You know, you see it. You see it, and you see it, you know, you see it not as much from the right, but it exists on the right. Yeah. And, you know, you saw it this week, again, uh, with the the, the, the Fox uh, uh, situation that, you know, their primetime lineup was saying things on the air that they weren't saying off the air, that they were telling on email. And, I'm, by the way, I still... I just shake my head with the stupidity of doing that. I can't imagine if I disagree, even if I did disagree, <laughs> if if I felt I was forced to say something on the air, nobody's ever going to know it. Well, and, <laughs> but, and they but, were but, very but I passionate. Do that. Yeah. They were very passionate in what they wrote off the air, and my yeah. thought is, well, that's what your audience wants from you, even if they disagree with you. Long term, they do. You get bur- you 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 get people upset at you short term, but I think long term, if you tell the truth, you grudgingly get people's respect. They may still not like you. I disagree with you, but I yeah okay, you you were right on that one, and mm. and you and that's fine. I I don't expect everybody to always agree with me, but you and I just and the you know as we said before, the biggest problems we have in this country is not racism. It's no. 
envy, jealousy, and the acceptance of lying in our society. That's what it is. Yes. And I've got this narrative. I'm not going to do my homework on it, but I heard somebody else give some figures that I really didn't fact check. I don't know if those figures are true, but it sounded good. And so I'm going to stick with that, and I'm going to go with this lie. And, uh, you know, that's a problem that we have in our society. We have an acceptance of lying that I view as unacceptable. And if you've heard us talk about conservatives and Republicans, we don't, and I say we in the mindset, not that I align with the Republican Party completely, because at times they're just way off base. But the fact is I'm a conservative libertarian, so that's the the people, when I say we, the people that believe the same issues that I do. Mm-hmm. But if you believe 100% of the way I do, but you say that we're going to lie because this is of, gives us more uh, immediate effectiveness, I, I'm not going to align with you on that. I'm not going to do that because I will not lose credibility. You may hate me, but uh, as the, uh, was it, was it, uh, not the Skinnerd song. What was the? It was Van Zant. Hmm. Than in the one song, I'd rather be. Uh, I wait. I'd rather be hated for who I am rather than loved for who I'm not. Hmm. And that's always that lyric has always mm-hmm. stuck with me. Mm-hmm. That you know, and so you and I know both know it. We take pride if people get upset at us because we're telling the truth. That's something that makes us feel good. It doesn't make us feel. Oh no, we feel pressured by the mob out there to you know whether it's the. Because there was the intimidation mob that existed after the 2020 election. Well, and here's the thing, is that the truth has to find its way. I don't have to make it happen by saying something that I can't demonstrate. Right. Those are the things that really bother me. That's a great point. If you can't demonstrate it, don't say it. And Don't agree with it. If And we said all along. Well, if these claims are being made, they're going to have to be proven. I don't, I'm not the one making the claim. It's not mine to own. It's not mine to stand behind. If I make the claim, you can bet it's going to be based in something. And if it's here in this setting, I'm going to tell you what it's based on. And I'm likely going to give you some uh you know uh a little asterisk here and there mm-hmm. because i think that's the responsible way to approach anyone whether we're on the air or not I, I could be talking to one person i could be talking to our audience and the fact of the matter is is i'm not the one that made the claim it's not mine to own it's not mine to prove but especially if you're a lawyer you know that if you make a claim, the burden of proof is on you. Right. And we'll wait and see where that lands. And here we are. You saw that the arbitrator said Mike Lindell has to pay. Yeah, was five it five, million, five million? For the contest that he held. Yeah. And, right. You know, and it was a Trump supporter mm. that actually won, the, actually got the ar- arbitrator said, nope, you got to pay him five million. Yeah. He's a Trump supporter. Okay. Let's go through everything that you said here mm. and look at the algorithms and the statements you made. Okay, I can prove you're wrong. And he did. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, and it's just, you know, we had said early on, especially the Smartmatic stuff. Look, not that there aren't irregularities that need to be looked into, 
but the Smartmatic and Dominion were absolute lies. Look, if the FBI... And and we called them on it. If the FBI hadn't gone to social media and put a stop to the whole Hunter Biden laptop story, we know. We've seen the polls. There could be there could have been a very different outcome in the election. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So do people interfere with elections? We've been saying this for years. By the way, we have to say it every every election cycle. Because it's you know, it's it's all new again. There is some level of interference in people that want to interfere in elections in every election. In every single one. But when you make a specific claim then it should be backed by something. In fact, what I just said, you saw the polls. Based on the polls, there there were enough people, if you do the math, that say they could have voted differently, possibly would have voted differently, if they had known about the Hunter laptop thing and the FBI was up front and out Mm -hmm. there on the front lines shutting it down on social media. So, can you call that interference? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. All day. 86690-RED-EYE. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 of uh, Red Eye. So, uh, yeah, you know, when you look at uh, this week and everything that had, uh, you know, uh, come out, the Fox News lawsuit, and mm. um, you know, that's the one thing that really, that's the one thing that actually hurts the most is the conservative media movement that, you know, I wholeheartedly support. And, but we've always dealt with, you know, our entire career, not as much anymore, but Still, occasionally you'll have it. I'm sure it'll be brought up again, again because of the Fox thing. Well, on Fox, uh, they said things on the air that they actually didn't believe. So, do you guys do the same thing? You know, because no. we used to, get, you know, we get, we would get in a different way, which would be. So, what do you really think on the issue? Mm-hmm. Well, you heard me on the air, right? Well, yeah, but I mean, what do you really think about it? Well, I told you what I really think about it on the air. So, you really say what you think on the air. And I've dealt, you know, we've dealt with that. So this, that's the biggest thing that I look at from Fox that, that, uh, you know, drives me crazy that you, you know, you lose the credibility because people already assume that, you know, a large corporation like we work for doesn't hire you to go on the air and just say what you want, that you have to be parroting, you know, the message or the talking points that they have. That's never been the case. Even when we worked, both of us worked for Disney. Mm Mm-hmm. That wasn't the case. It didn't happen. No. And it's never happened. Now, I've had a couple of general managers at times, individuals that have said, I didn't like your opinion today. <laughs> it's like, well, then go do your own talk show. <laughs> but, but,
The Bonus Show. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara, 86690-RED-EYE if you'd like to get in. All right, getting back to the whole Hunter uh, Biden uh, case and the whistleblower, uh, this is really interesting. This uh, was John Solomon yesterday on, on Fox News. And part of the discussion is the fact that this lawyer for the whistleblower, the whistleblower wanted the letter to be be bipartisan. Mm. So he sent it to everybody. Yeah. Democrat leaders got it. Republican leaders got it. The Department of Justice got it. You know, mm. all the levels of government got it, including the Democrats or Republicans. And so it's like, you know, he wishes it to be bipartisan. The things that he is stating, uh, he seems to have a lot of confidence in doing it. And John Solomon, this is really interesting, explains why. Here we go. The interesting about this whistleblower is he doesn't want to just hang out with Republicans. He wants to face the music. He wants to look Democrats and Republicans and independents in the eye. So he sent this letter to the Democratic side. He sent it to the Republican side. He's not afraid to confront the Adam Schiff's and the uh, Eric Swalwells and all the jokesters who gave us all the bogus stories of the last four years. He, the reason he's so confident, he has the receipts. He has contemporaneous documents. It's not going to be in doubt what he he uh, provides to Congress. Wow. Hmm. And he's got the documents that when he tells Congress, it will be as it will be the truth. Is what Solomon is saying, that he's got the documents to prove everything that he is saying. And that's why he is so open. And this is so bipartisan that he doesn't care. You can try to hit him however you can, but as Solomon is saying, he has the actual evidence. Now, I don't know what type of liberties Solomon is taking in saying that, unless that's just his experience as a prosecutor, because this, you know, he is, uh, like I said, is, and I'm going to, I got a, uh, another interview that uh, uh, Brett Baer did with the, the lawyer yesterday. Mm. Uh, coming up here, but the lawyer is saying, because that's the first question, well, why won't he identify himself? Well, because he hasn't gone through the entire whistleblower process. He wants mm-hmm. to make sure that he's protected across the board uh, uh, in this. And right. then he'll come forward and he will speak before Congress, before anyone. Right. In fact, here's part of that interview with Brett Baer yesterday. First of all, why is your client not coming forward publicly? Why don't? Why can't we know who he is? So, Brett, great question. Uh, There are laws in place, uh, federal laws, that protect the privacy of taxpayers and taxpayer information. Um, They're very specific about what can be said and what can't be said and under what circumstances that can take place. Um, My client wants to specifically follow those laws, and they involve certain procedures, in particular when approaching Congress. There's only specific committees that are allowed or that are empowered to grant this uh, authority for a whistleblower to come forward to talk about taxpayer information. So when someone says maybe this is politically motivated, how do you respond to that? Well, I can say we are not able to talk about any particular cases, and um, there, there's no. Uh, my client wants to come forward. He's not a political person. He's not a social media person. He's not coming here with a political agenda. He's been he, at the IRS for a long time. He's been at the IRS for more than ten years. Uh, as, and now he's a supervisory special agent. 
He's been trusted at the IRS. He's, uh, he's actually been trusted as an assistant special agent in charge in other cities and trusted with international investigations and working with other countries' tax enforcement uh, bureaus. You sent this letter um, to the Senate, the finance uh, and ranking of the Finance Committee, uh, Judiciary, both, uh, Whistleblower Protection and Chuck Grassley, also to the House, Ways and Means Chairman, the ranking, Jim Jordan, Jerry Nadler, and Judiciary. And in it, it says that uh, your client has information that contradicts sworn testimony to Congress by senior political appointee, uh, failure to mitigate clear conflicts of interest and ultimate disposition of this case that you're talking about, and examples of preferential treatment in politics improperly infecting decisions as laid out in this letter. Is there documentation to support this, not just someone saying, this is what I saw, but actual documentation? Yes, Brett. Um, so my client's a career law enforcement officer who uh, is respected within the IRS, and he teaches other agents how to properly do investigations. He knows when to spot when other invest when investigative steps aren't done in the traditional way to get at the truth. And he has spotted and observed things that are done differently in, in this particular matter, which I can't identify. Um, and he wants to talk about them, and he believes that they were influenced by politics. You can't identify, but we have sources telling us that this has to do with the Hunter Biden investigation. And to that point, Hunter Biden's attorney, Chris Clark, put out a statement in which he says, it appears this IRS agent has committed a crime. It is a felony for an IRS agent to improperly disclose information about an ongoing tax investigation. The IRS has incredible power and in abusing that power by targeting, embarrassing, or disclosing information about a private citizen's tax matters undermines Americans' faith in the federal government. Unfortunately, that is what has happened happened and is happening here in an attempt to harm my client. You know, it's really unfortunate that that statement was made. Um, you know, uh, Mr. Clark made that statement. My client wrestled with whether or not to come forward. He had a lot of sleepless nights about coming forward with this. At the end of the day, he decided that he could not live with himself if he stayed quiet and said nothing. So he's coming forward, but he knows that he's going to be attacked. And, you know, really, Attacks like this are kind of what he was worried about, uh, but he wants to come forward, tell the truth. He's instructed us to reach out to both Democrats and Republicans on the Hill and let those statements that if they want to hear him and have him come in to the Hill and talk to him, let those statements rest where they are. I mean, you see that as fairly threatening, that that. Letter. You know, I don't think it helps, uh, you know, I don't think it helps whistleblowers as a whole. I mean, uh, there, there is a strong contingent on the Hill that believes in the whistleblower programs uh, to have to shine a light on government agencies and programs and to enable people to come forward without getting threatened. And it's unfortunate that that statement was made. There you go. Mm. Now, he did say, do you have the evidence? Now, I don't know if he was addressing that exact question. He said yes. But it was a multi, it was a, uh, you know, multi-issue question that Brett yeah. Bear asked him. Right. So he just said yes. So is that where Solomon got the fact that he's, Okay, he actually has the evidence. It's not just he said she. Well, I've seen this and I know this. Does he actually have yeah, the this evidence? This is my experience. Could... This is what's happening, and he's you're basically just having to listen to his complaint. Well, if he's got the documents, if he does have documents to back this up, holy cow! Uh, the Biden administration should hope that it never sees the light of day. But frankly. It's too late. Well, here's the We're here. Here's, here's the thing if you're a Democrat. 
you know, you're going to have some Democrats. You're naturally you're going to have Hunter Biden's attorneys that are going to object to it. But if you're a Democrat, you have to be extremely careful here because the entire thing is the fact that is the government is covering up for Hunter Biden. If you're wrong on this, I mean, if you're a Democrat, if you're Gerald Nadler, for example, and you come out saying this is just ridiculous and you end up, you know, do you end up being caught up in part of what the public perceives as a conspiracy to protect Hunter Biden and the influence peddling of the president? Because that's what it really comes down to. I say Hunter Biden, but Hunter Biden is meaningless in all of this. It's are you protecting influence peddling with uh, with uh, the, the with the Biden family headed by Joe Biden to do favors for foreign governments, including our enemies. Hmm. And you want to be caught up in that. Because I didn't see Democrats speak out loudly about this yesterday, except one Democrat. I'll see if I can find the audio here. One Democrat that apparently was stating, Hunter Biden isn't president of the United States. And we know that's the one argument out there. That's one of the very few arguments that exist. It's like, well, I mean, you've heard Republicans start to say, well, it's not about Hunter Biden. It's about him being an agent of his father Mm. to bring in money to enrich the family. And once you do that, that argument goes away. That's an early argument for anything that happens that disappears, dissipates very quickly. Because yeah. the public understands it. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, that's what it's going to come down to. Is even before learning this, you know, and, and my thoughts were, you have to have something. If you're willing to testify, it's not enough just to get up there and say something. You should have documents. You should have some evidence to back up your claim and if that's the case wow because he would have to get approval then because it as you're saying very few people and 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 congress probably can i don't know who is i don't i haven't seen the flow chart of this who who can say okay you're a whistleblower you now can bring those documents and the irs cannot punish you for it right Yeah, I don't know in the process uh, how that works, yeah. but but ultimately, look, his lawyer just said it. You you just heard it from the attorney, and that is there is a process here of essentially being able to do this, and we already know that. The claim that uh, the whistleblower is breaking the law, well, there's also a process of he's breaking the law. But if they're making the claim, it sounds like retaliation and intimidation to me. In in fact, if I were, you know, if it were my administration, number one, I probably wouldn't be at this point. But number two, I would tell everyone, you need to be very careful. In fact, the only response is we're not going to talk about an ongoing case. We're not going to comment on that. Well, now, like we I can't said, speak for the person, right. but 
we believe everything will be proven eventually, and then that's it. You don't say anything. But accusing the whistleblower of breaking the law is sounds like intimidation, because if that person is breaking the law, then show me where the enforcement of that law is. And by the way, I wouldn't be surprised if that is the next approach. Because it's e- either you either you say, okay, it's time for Biden to go, or it's got to be scorched earth. There really is no middle ground here. No, there isn't. Right? Right. Because if you've got the attorney general that's protecting the president, then tell me, you know, would it be, I don't know, would I be shocked if they raided the whistleblower's home? Wow. This is, you know, that would be the next thing is that if they're saying it's against the law, that's what in, in the red flag in my mind is, oh, are they about to go after him? Well, it's one thing to say it in the media. It's one thing to make a statement like that. Yeah, because I'm like you. I, It's like, well, wait a minute. Are you, uh, are you uh, um, outing yourself by saying you've been on the case for three years, you've been here right. for 10 years, here's yeah. the position that he holds, right. uh, by saying he... Mm-hmm. You you've identified it as you know as a man. Yeah. So are you narrowing the target where uh, if you don't get this thing done, the Department of Justice will strike first because part of the allegation is against them. Oh, I have no doubt the DOJ knows who it is. The question is, what is the next? No, no, that's a great point. That's a great point. And so. By the way, it, it, it and that could go either way. You know, if they, it, it, we'll just throw it out there. If there is the possibility that the law is being broken, they better demonstrate that very clearly. 86690 Red Eye. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara, 86690-RED-EYE. Uh, I just love this this headline. We'll get to it. You'll want to hear this. Leftist patriotic millionaires refuse to voluntarily pay higher taxes. Just see this where they held a press conference? Mm. And Stephen Moore, the economist, was there Yeah, and said, well, you call yourself patriotic millionaires and saying that we should have a system where you pay more. Why don't you voluntarily do it? Right. Well, no, we need to change the infrastructure. Yeah, but you could still do it today if you could get all the if you could get all the liberal billionaires to do it. You've got half of your problem solved, don't you? Right. Why don't you set the example? Right. Uh, what they're saying is other people should pay more, change the laws, and force other people to pay more.
This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across the USA and around the world, 86690-RED-EYE. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Download our Red Eye Radio app today and you can listen when and where you want if you can't listen live overnight. And thank you. Well, we have uh, another candidate on the Republican side, Larry Elder. All right. And, and he announced the wrong way. Hmm. He did it on Tucker Carlson's show. If you're going to announce, you need to have a rally with lots of people there. Got to have a crowd. Got to have the noise. According to the Red Eye Radio way of... of uh, Which is the only right way there is. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, he might do that in the next couple of days, but he announced, you know, on... On Tucker Carlson, that yeah, he is uh, he is running uh, conservative talk radio uh, host and former California gubernatorial candidate Larry Elder jumping into the race for the uh, White House. Uh, Elder on uh, Thursday announced his candidacy in an interview on Fox News. Uh, America is in decline, but this decline is not inevitable. We enter a new American golden age, but we must choose uh, a leader uh, who can bring us there. That's why I'm running for president. Hmm. He wrote in his statement. Uh, so, you know, we'll see. All right. Uh, Elder has highlighted, uh, you know, that he was going to run for president because he's had recent trips to Iowa and New Hampshire. Hmm. The conservative host, who is black. Hmm. That's how they wrote it. I just... <laughs> <laughs> the conservative host... Who is black? <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> it really is an obsession, isn't it? Yeah, you know, it's it's the it was the comma that got to me. Yeah, uh, it said that he believes that among the top issues in the twenty twenty four election are inflation, energy, and border security. But he's also emphasized that he wants to highlight the plight of children in America being born to parents who are not married, and to target what he argues is uh, the lie about systemic racism. Mm. You, know, you know, we had mentioned uh, Larry Elder. I forgot when we started. We were talking about identity politics, and I was talking about when I first got into the business, yeah. the radio business, that where we saw, I said, and it's important to understand that identity politics, which is the Democrats, this is their racist philosophy that starts with the stereotyping of people and judging people by the groups they're in, not not as individual autonomous beings and judging them by their character, uh, you know, and their their smarts and everything else. Mm-hmm. You judge them by their their skin or you judge by physical characteristics. I mean, it's horribly racist and it's mainstream within the Democratic Party. And uh, and as we brought up a couple of weeks ago, we said understand that identity politics, modern identity politics. That really be- began in the late '80s, but really early '90s was targeted at people like Larry Elder when I mentioned his name. Yeah, yeah, on the air. Yeah, and I remember in the infancy of modern talk radio, because I believe Rush went national in '88. Yeah, Rush went national in '88. Hmm. I started in '89, 
And then by the time you got to 92, 93, talk radio in its infancy, uh, was, I mean, it was really exciting to be there at the beginning of it. It really was. I mean, because there were, you know, there were, I went to a couple of talk radio conferences that they had, and it was great, you know, because I, all these, all the talk show hosts would meet together and eat together and go to conferences together. And, and, uh, uh, I remember the one year, um, <clears throat> I remember the one year being in Houston, and we had such a good time. We went to the, the Space Center where we had the actual war dinner mm. uh, uh, there, and I can't think of the oh, what was the guy's name? Uh, G. Gordon Liddy won the <laughs> G. Gordon Liddy won the Freedom of Speech Award. Oh, oh and it was just—I mean, it was mm. just—it was a zoo. I mean, mm. it was, and we just—and a couple of people that I met at that time, talk show hosts. We just all sat back at the table. We just laughed at everybody because it was mm. like the left was going nuts that, you know, G. Gordon Liddy and, you know, was given the Freedom of Speech uh, Award. And uh, I met him in the urinal mm. <laughs> before the whole thing happened. <laughs> I said, well, you got a big night. He goes, thanks. <laughs> That's all I said. Hey, you got a big night. Congrats. Thanks. <laughs> hey, Congratulations. You, know, the, you have any toilet paper over there? But it was, you know, it, it, well, at, uh, at the urinal, at, at yeah. the stand-up urinal. All right. <laughs> and, I mean, it was, and it was perfect. I mean, it was perfect because he turned his head and remember, you know, balding head and all that and the mustache. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it was, I mean, you look and you go, wow, that's G. Gordon Liddy. <laughs> If it's not, I can't think of the quote in Watergate. What was it? I'll stand at the corner. Basically, I'll stand at the corner, and you can assassinate me. I was thinking of that 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 quote the entire time. When you said that, I'm like looking around. Anybody with anybody look suspicious here? Like John Wick? Aside like, from me, does like, anyone look suspicious right, here? Exactly. But. <laughs> and I I remember the I went to two of them, one in Houston and one in Washington, mm-hmm. and I remember. The one in Houston, because the best part of it was, and they really don't, I mean, they don't hold them anymore. And it's not the same as it was, because back then there was actually a camaraderie where you would hang out with everybody, whether you were liberal or conservative. You know, everybody sort of hung around together and you get into arguments. And the best thing was when the day was over and it was probably eight or nine o'clock and all the talk, think about this. A hundred talk show hosts all at happy hour at a bar that only contained all talk show hosts. Mm. It was just, I mean, it was just amazing. Yeah. I bet the the talking never ended. No, no. Well, the one year in Houston, this this was the best part. The one one in Houston, this, uh, and I can still remember because I got into some debate with somebody Mm. and and all I, I must, I can't remember what it was about, but I must have won the debate because I'm getting like people, it was like being in a locker room. Yeah, good one. That was a great night. You were a great night. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. yeah. But the, the, the funny thing is so there's 100 talk show hosts, Buzz Aldrin, the second man on the moon, and famous actress lost in space, Lassie June Lockhart. Oh. 
She Ooh. didn't play Lassie, to be clear. To be clear. No, no, yeah, yeah. she did not. No, she did not. She was play on the show. She was on the show. Right? Yeah, right. Just want to be careful. Right. And uh, and she, <laughs> they were on the board of directors of the National Association of Radio Talk Show Hosts, mm. Buzz Aldrin, and, and it was funny because when I first met Buzz Aldrin, I remember being at a mixer, mm. and I'm talking to I can't remember the guy's name, mm-hmm. but he did a weekend show. Yeah, he turned to me and he said, "I said, yeah, you know who I am." And I was in, I was working in Buffalo at the time. He turned to me, he said, "I do the first gay radio show in America on, you know, from Cleveland." I said, "Oh, nice to meet you, whatever." And and I'm like, "Okay, where's this conversation going to go?" And he sort of turns, and all of a sudden, this guy standing right in front of me. I look and I went, "Oh, it's Buzz Aldrin." And I went, "A magnificent desolation," which is what the second man on the moon said. Right, and he went, "Wow, that's really good." So I, that's how I met, and it was like a mix. People were just moving around. I mean, it wasn't like you were having long conversations. And even with Buzz Aldrin, it was only like a thirty-second conversation, and everybody was just sort of moving around. It was, truly was a mixer. <laughs> yeah, because he wasn't the one that said, "I do the, I'm doing the first gay radio show." No, 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 no. It wasn't was Buzz that, Aldrin. No, no, that was that, that was, the was other somebody guy. separate. Yeah, that was the other. You were just you were just trying to demonstrate that. People were moving around quickly, and then the and the, then the 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 you know one of, one of my best memories, and I talked about this uh, a few months back when uh, when Jimbo Hannon died. Yeah, and I just never forget. And this was would have been in Houston, where I I can't remember if that was the first one or second one that I went to. Yeah, and you know, uh, to me, you know, to me, Jim always looked the same. <laughs> Whether yeah. he was whether he was older or younger, he always looked. Jim to me always looked like in his sixties, but yeah. But he had this the way that he was on the air. He was in person, like just this relaxed kind of guy where time had no meaning. I'll never forget. You know, there's all it was like a luncheon or something, and then they were waiting for the speech, and there weren't a lot of people in the room, and there's like this huge. Uh, you know, this huge table that probably, you know, in the in the ballroom that you know, probably 12 people could have sat at. It's just Jim alone. Mm. And he just looked so relaxed. And I went up and said hi to him. Just It was only like a five-minute conversation, but I'll just never forget that. It was just – but I remember thinking about it. I go, wow, he's just sitting there as if time has no purpose. Oh, how's everybody doing? Good to see you. you know? Yeah. Sort of, sort of like he, you know, was on the air, which mm. uh, was just – which was uh, just uh, uh, great, but hmm. um, yeah, I mean, you look at, but back then, I mean, uh, and I didn't meet, I don't believe Larry Elder was at, he might have been, I don't remember him being there, but he was early in talk radio in Los Angeles. Yeah, right. And he was one of the talk radio hosts. Armstrong Williams was another, remember Armstrong Williams? Mm-hmm. And they were demonized like crazy. And it all came from identity politics. You couldn't be black and be a conservative. Right. And so they were called things like Uncle Tom's whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's really modern. the modern uh, identity politics, to me, really one of the first victims of the vicious stereotype racist attacks were people like Larry Elder. Yeah. You know, that he's not really sure. black because he holds a different opinion, which is the the insane racist belief from the Democrats that they still promote every single day. Mm-hmm. Still today. Who did it the other day? Who got caught the other day doing it? There's a story the other day somebody got caught doing the same thing, talking about 
you know, Tim Scott is basically, you know, the... Uh, I, my question would be, who's not doing it on the left? Yeah, somebody, somebody hit Tim Scott about it the other day. Mm-hmm. Uh, about it again, and, and, was, and was called racist for it. Yeah. And, you know, but the, the, it's just important to understand that the identity politics of today that the Democrats call anti-racism, which is actually racism, the first victims of those attacks in the early 90s when the this modern thing came along of identity politics was being pushed, the first victims of those racist attacks were blacks. Right, yeah. And Larry Elder was one of them. Yeah. So he's he's been around for a, uh, a, a long time. It will be interesting to see what type of a campaign... Uh, he uh, he runs how he tries to differentiate himself. Mm. No. Well, and you know he when he ran in California during the uh, whole recall thing against Newsom, I think it was a you know it's a strong showing because he has obviously a greater presence in California, being a, a mainstay really in radio there for the longest time, um, but. He knows full well, of course, on the national stage, it requires uh, more of getting out there. Um, we talked about it the other day, that really there is no downside, even if you believe you're you're not going to get the nomination. There's no downside to running because the idea is to uh, get out there and make your points, uh, promote yourself and what you believe in, and it would be... I think it would be refreshing to see a full debate stage, but we'll see where the numbers play out in in uh, in August. That's the uh, first debate so far, and it also is going to be, you know, by then, of course, a more crowded field with likely dissent. I don't know, likely, but most people believe likely DeSantis being on that stage as well, and that'll be the interesting part of the conversation. Will it be <laughs> pretty much Trump versus everybody? <laughs> because he's the leader. He's if, if that holds mm-hmm. in the polls, he's you know he's leading by far. Now those numbers are dropping, but he's still leading by far. And I think by then, by August, it stands to reason he would still be in the lead, or at the very least, he's going to be the one that everybody is going to you know that there's going to be pretty much. Trump versus everybody else and vice versa. And we'll see where that plays out. It'll be interesting to watch the debates. Because the party, the RNC, also, uh, (laughs) what was it that they said recently? Look, we're going to uh, find better candidates to run. Oh, yeah. Especially in the Senate. We We need candidates who can win a race. Right. And... Uh, that's an idea we we rolled our eyes at that one but they you know they they also have to look at at um at how 24 is shaping up and it isn't just about the white house it is about the senate too Mm -hmm. yeah and of course maintaining the house that they can do that i i saw that uh mcdaniel announced uh, a second debate in california but Mm -hmm. they didn't say what network's going to do it did you notice no yeah i didn't see that either yeah Right. Fox is doing the first one. Right. 
Well, I, I just have I, I just have this feeling you're gonna, you're, gonna, you're gonna see. Well, NBC and Chuck Todd's going to do that. Yeah. I hope I hope they don't do that. I hope they I, don't do I that. wouldn't be shocked if they do though. They they, don't. they, they have said then, then a few times that they don't want to. You know that they don't want to. We've been telling them for the longest time. You don't have to do that. Yeah. If they do, she should be fired. Yeah, she yeah. should not be the chair. Eight six six ninety red eye. Hi, I'm Jen Loomis, a transport safety expert at J.J. Keller, and I'm here to share a tip on compliance, safety, accountability. At the core of Compliance Safety Accountability, or CSA, is FMCSA's Safety Measurement System, or SMS. The SMS uses seven safety improvement categories called BASICs to examine a carrier's on-road performance and potential crash risk. The categories of BASICs are unsafe driving, hours of service compliance, driver fitness, controlled substances and alcohol, vehicle maintenance, hazardous materials compliance, and crash indicator. Under FMCSA's old measurement system, carrier performance was assessed in only four broad categories. Violations or crashes that have occurred within the previous 24 months of performance data are included in CSA calculations, but more recent events are weighted more heavily than older events. Violations or crashes that have happened within the past six months are weighted 33% more than events that occurred 6 to 12 months ago. And violations that are older than a year are weighted 66% less than recent violations. This allows a carrier to improve their CSA score gradually as they see fewer and fewer violations. This tip was brought to you by J.J. Keller & Associates. Visit us at jjkeller.com. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harding. I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 Red Eye. I found what I was looking for. Uh, it was Lincoln, the Lincoln Project senior advisor, Tara oh. Setmayer, faced backlash online after being accused of racism over her remarks describing Republican Senator Tim Scott of South Carolina, a racial profiler, and a racial security blanket for the GOP. Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, again, you know, it's, if you've ever wondered, remember the Lincoln Project claiming that they were Republicans? Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. They, they were never Republicans. They were always they were always Democrat. I saw one of the, uh, I, oh, where did I see it? It wasn't National Review. Was it Federalist.com? Somebody had about the, you know, even the conservative, whether it's David Brooks or others now that are on the Sunday morning news shows that claim to be conservative Republicans, and it's like, they're Democrats. They don't argue conservative yeah. viewpoints. Right. What are, you, what are you talking about? It's like, so, so there, it's interesting, too, that that has become a weapon of the left to take people that maybe once were Republican, you know, like Michael Steele. Mm-hmm. Michael Steele is as far from being conservative as you could possibly imagine. He has changed. I haven't changed oh, at all, in my opinions. No, no. He's changed. Oh, yeah, definitely. And he's a Democrat now. Right, right. And he's a liberal now. And so are the people that make up. You know the Never Trumpers of the Lincoln Project. They were they were not. They were always labeled wrong, being called Never Trumpers. They were Democrats, right? They're liberals, right?
The Bonus Show. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. <sighs> I really didn't need to see this. I really yeah. didn't need to see. I just saw this here yeah. as we were going into the break. A what? CNN political op-ed. Okay. You ready for this? Nope. And, and it's it's a it's a voice from the past. Yeah, Part right. of the Maverick Pack. Joe Lieberman. Mm. The 2024 presidential alternative many voters will want. All right, so oh, okay, it's going. You know, talking about 2000 and Ralph Nader running, and uh-huh. you know, uh, you know, helping, uh, helping, uh, you know, Bush and all that. Uh-huh. So I'm like, okay, let me see. Where's he headed here? Where's he going? Uh, with this, he goes, though a majority of Americans long for an era when Republicans and Democrats work together to find bipartisan solutions to big problems. Many members of Congress refuse to work together on immigration, the debt ceiling, and other issues critical to the nation. Blah, 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 yeah. blah, 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 yeah. blah. And so he goes, <clears throat> the process for adding a third viable option is not uh, only time-consuming, but it varies from state to state and the District of uh, of Columbia. You know, but what if we had a viable third option? Well, today, no labels, the no labels party, a nonprofit organization that I co-chair is laying the groundwork for such a campaign in 2024. Yeah. Since early 2022, our team has been diligently working across the country to obtain ballot access for a potential no labels ticket, typically by collecting a certain number of petition signatures from voters in each state. All right. If we are successful, a unity ticket com- comprised of one Democrat and one Republican oh, okay. could be presented to voters right next to the Republican and Democrat nominees. We think that this is an insurance policy for the country, an option to be deployed if and only if both of the two major party nominees fail to offer voters a choice of candidates they'd like to vote for in a way uh, or a way out of the partisan divisiveness that now dominates in the nation's capital. We will be consistently monitoring the sentiment of Americans throughout our own research uh, and polling, as well as public polling, to make that determination. In this and several other ways, no label could not be more different from the spoiler campaign of the Nader attempt two years ago. You ready for this? I guess. First, if no labels were to lend it uh, as ballot lines to a presidential ticket, the presidential candidate would be a Democrat and the vice presidential candidate would be a Republican or vice versa. Oh, okay. As such, it would appeal to some voters who might otherwise have voted for the Democratic ticket and other voters who might otherwise have voted for the Republican ticket. It would appeal to still other voters uh, who would have voted, who would have not voted for either. These nominees would be selected by a diverse and distinguished group of... Oh, my... Stop it! Just stop! Hey, you probably relate to this. A lot of people do. You know, you go to the store and you see something that fits your diet. You know? And in the packaging, the picture on the packaging looks like, oh, that might be tasty. And, you know, I don't have to cheat on my diet. It fits into what I can eat. Right, so you, you're all excited. You found something new. You put it in your cart. You get it home. You open it, and it's mostly air. In the package, there's 
like a few chips at the bottom? No, I'll give you a better one. Yeah. This is a true life story yeah. without going into specific details. <laughs> but we're not going to name names. Well, we're not we're no, we're not going to name the experience the the specific experiences of this particular story. Uh, but I'm a type 2 diabetic. Right. So I'm always looking for low carb food. Mm-hmm. One of the problems with low carb food it's high in calories. Mm-hmm. So roughly I've been, you know, I was diagnosed 7 years ago. Mm-hmm. So when I just cut carbs, I lost weight. Yeah. But about a year and a half ago, I started putting on a couple of pounds. I went, what's going on? Mm-hmm. And what I realized is I now have to pay attention to calories. Mm-hmm. Well, I discovered this, you know, this, you know, new company that makes food and they make, they make these croissants, Eric, that are the most flakiest, you know, there's flaky and moist. I mean, they're just perfect croissants. I mean, they're just, that fulfills every need of bread that I have. And they have these muffins that are, the, the, these lemon crumb muffins and they have these cinnamon crumb muffins and they're delicious and they have tortilla chips and like the muffins and there's there's these they're just you look at them you go i want that and they taste and they fall apart you actually get that bread that baked good feeling that you can't get really anywhere else mm-hmm. if you're a type 2 diabetic you can't find it right and i get it and it's like well it's like two or two to three grams of carbs i go that's beautiful well, it's got to be 9,000 calories. And they say 25 to like 35 calories in one of these muffins. Well, mm-hmm. I found it. I have found it. I am voting for that food, right? So I get this food and I, and you know, I order it and I get it in. And the first day, man, I just, I heat it up in the microwave for about 30 seconds, put that croissant in. Mm-hmm. And man, it's the most flakiest thing. It's just wonderful. And at the end of the, you know, a couple hours later after I eat dinner, I'm like, I got to have one of the muffins and I have one of the muffins. Well, only then did I actually look at the full nutritional label and see that one of the, it was either the croissant or the muffin, 300% of the fiber that you need every day and the croissant 250 percent of the fiber that you need every day Do we need to go to a break early you understand the point i'm trying to make mm. and i went well i guess i'm not doing anything tomorrow and so and so no wonder you're not playing golf <laughs> well that's you well now now i'm limited to like if i have one, just just one my body because i was on a pretty high fiber diet anyway but that's the whole thing you think you see the labels you're like it's it it's it it's it well, nothing's ever it. Well, there's always and there's always a challenge or pro. Nothing is ever free. Nothing is ever the perfect thing. Nothing is ever the solution. And the biggest problem there are no here, solutions, only trade-offs. Thomas Sowell, right? Yeah. So, yes. it, and 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 my point on the getting the you know the big package home, you open it and it's mostly air. It's exactly what the no labels party is. Well, the they, thing they sit and talk in circles. We're going to blah blah with this. You know, arrogance as if we're the only people to think of this ever is laughable. It's actually funny. Well, there's actually when, because he just wrote this on Tuesday this week. Mm -hmm. And I went, have you no self-awareness of where your party has gone? They really don't. Because it's like, second, the No Labels 2024 effort is not designed to push the Democratic nominees to the left or the Republican candidates to the right. Rather, it's intended to force one or both parties to appeal to America's growing common sense majority, which is what on what issue? 
Tell me the issues. Right. Get to, you notice that none of these parties and nowhere in here. He goes, he goes, it seems the Biden administration already may be beginning to recognize the imperative of appealing to the common sense majority. President Joe Biden recently signed into law a Republican measure to strike down a Washington, D.C. crime bill, reducing penalties for those who commit violent crimes. Well, we don't buy that he did that for any reason than the fact that he has been viewed on weak as crime and it's simply symbolic. Yeah. So if 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 you, for all your years in politics, Joe Lieberman, don't understand that point that nobody trusts him on it because of everything else that he has done with defunding the police and how far left he is. And that's the problem that Joe Biden won't, or excuse me, Joe uh, Lieberman doesn't recognize is that when you look at it, tell me a radical position of the Republican Party right now. Right. On one issue. Right. Tell me what it is. Tell me where their mob, you know, is, is, is showing up right. at every turn. Tell me the radical, and shouting right. down anybody who has a question. Tell me the 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 radical position that I can tell you. I can tell you every position on every major issue that the Democrats hold is extremely radical and not in. Because if you look at the actual issues, the vast majority of the population agrees with Republicans on the issues. If you put a particular name in there, well, then people may not agree with you. But on the issues, it's a solid. It's a solid slam dunk for Republicans on the actual issues. Mm-hmm. On every single issue. And abortion? Well, actually, the majority of people agree that unrestricted abortion is wrong, and that's where Democrats all stand. Mm-hmm. And again, that's the one issue where everybody admits, well, the, the vast majority of the public believes that life begins at some point in the womb. So it takes away all the leftist arguments to begin with. And so, you know, that debate will always go on. Every other issue, tell me. Does the American public really think we can run our energy grid on wind and solar? No, they understand we can't. That's a radical, that's an insane issue that they hold. Does a majority of Americans believe a biological male can be a biological female because they say so? And do they want biological males competing against biological females? No. Does a majority of Americans judge people by groups, the identity politics of the Democratic Party, instead of individuals? No. The vast majority of the public in their daily interactions treats everybody as an individual. They don't judge them by the color of their skin. The Democratic Party does. Yep. On the issue of the border, they, the public agrees with the Republicans on that. On the budget. Americans say they agree with the Republicans. <laughs> well, on that issue, they yeah they, they they claim that they wish to have a a, a a balanced balanced budget. But as we've talked about there, uh, again, everybody knows morally what's correct there. The morally right way is what Republicans have been promoting, and that is balancing the budget and not putting the debt on future generations. But our selfishness, our greed, our envy, all comes into the fact that. Well, we want a balanced budget as long as you take care of everything that I need. The the premise of a no-labels party is, again, further evidence of this lack of, self-aware, of, of self-awareness. And that is, you don't give yourself the label. A label is earned, and it's earned by where you stand mm-hmm. on the issues. So this idea that, 
oh, we're not going to have a name for our party. We're the no labels. No, the, the labels will be assigned to you. Right. Because at some point, you've got to take a position on the issues. Right. And you don't see conservatives that are embracing this or the forward party. Everybody is really much more liberal. What this is is further evidence that, that Democrats don't like their own party. And they don't yeah. like where their own party is going. Yep. I agree with you on that. I would say that the same with Andrew Yang. I would say anybody who is on the left and then saying, what we need is something in the middle. And no, what you need is to look at your party and stand up and say and point to them and say, you guys are crazy. Now, if somebody wants to be an independent, that's fine. That's fine. But stop with this. We're going to have this. We're not left. We're not right. We're not. You're going to stand somewhere on the issues if you actually want to have a party. Because you're going to be asked the questions and you have to answer them. You know, it's. It really is. I think I think it's it's evidence more and more. That we see it every day more and more. The Democrats are looking at it going, our party is just losing it. They've gone way too far. And so what do they do? Well, we're going to save the world. Lieberman putting his Superman cape on. Nope. It's okay to look at your party and say, you guys are crazy. You're insane. But they don't want to do that. Yeah, you're right. Correct your own party. But that's the whole thing. Well, we can't correct our party, so let's have a uh, a less liberal party, but still extremely liberal, yeah, right. and call it no labels, right? and call it forward. We won't actually identify or talk about the issues yet, right? because we know if people know that, the majority of Americans, they may not be in favor. They may not be as excited as our party. But if we can come up with generic party where we run it by memes... Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, we uh, we aren't too right. We aren't too left. We're the forward party. We're the no labels party. As long as you don't get because in politics, everything is about the details yep. of where you stand. Right. People vote on issues. And you notice both the no labels party and the forward party do everything they possibly everything that they can to stay away from issues. In fact, the forward party was promoting that as a positive. Yeah. Now, we believe if we focus on uh, the actual issues there, that'll be a negative. People, mm. you know. Then people will take sides and become biased about us, and bias is bad. Mm-hmm. So just don't stand for anything, and you're more moral. Right. Good God. 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll-free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. will be an interesting Friday and mm. interesting Sunday morning news show, especially with the uh, Merrick Garland accusation. Right.
This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Do we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.